0: Welcome to the ASHP Official Podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for Therapeutic Thursdays Podcast. This podcast provides an opportunity to listen in as members to sit down to discuss what's new and ongoing in the world of therapeutics. My name is Carly Krueger, and I'm a clinical pharmacist at Salina Regional Outpatient Pharmacy in Salina, Kansas. I will be your host for today's episode. With me today is Cassie Heffern, ambulatory care pharmacist and residency program director at Cox Health in Springfield, Missouri. Thanks for joining us today. Happy to be here. Let's get into today's topic, person-centered care for vulnerable populations, part one. Cassie, what is a medically underserved patient population and how does it differ from other patient populations?
1: Yes, there are terms that are mentioned often in literature, but it's important to differentiate what they all mean and how they impact patient care. Medically underserved is having a lack of access to appropriate medical services, often with lower income and or marginalized communities. An example of this is being over an hour away from a doctor's office or a pharmacy or not being able to get into a needed specialist for over six months if they're not even accepting uh, new patients at all. Social determinants of health are conditions where people are born, live, learn, work, play, worship, and age that affect a wide range of health and quality of life, risk, and outcomes. Lack of access to healthy and affordable food or affordable childcare are great examples. Health disparities are preventable differences in the burden of disease, injury, violence, and in opportunities to achieve optimal health and experience by socially disadvantaged racial, ethnic, or other populations. A couple examples of this include not uh, receiving particular counseling or education if English is not their primary language, or not having reliable Medicaid transport to bring patients to office visits. Health literacy is a degree in which individuals have the capacity to obtain, process, and understand basic health information and services needed to make appropriate health decisions. This is why we attempt to practice general health precautions with providing education at the sixth grade level and do teach-back techniques to confirm comprehension. Barriers for this population are plentiful. Some of these may exist in other clinics, but likely not at the same degree and frequency. Some barriers that come to mind with the patients that I work with um, are often here, Uh, but finding healthy food to last the month while using food stamps, choosing between paying for meds or eating less meals that week, ensuring that Medicaid transport actually comes to get them for their appointments, using a translator or translation services to speak to patients in other languages in their office visit or between visits, being able to afford medications despite good insurance older phones that work with CGM platforms to review their blood sugars between office visits, only covering two to three educational points, even when I need to be more comprehensive with a patient, only using portal messaging to work with patients because they work during the same hours I do and can't get caught on the phone, or even recently getting their receiver stolen while they're living in a shelter. I have found ways to encourage patients uh, through these barriers and help them to find solutions, which brings me to my next point that there needs to be team-based approach care because we can't do it all as pharmacists. It's emotionally draining and time-consuming. This population needs to be, needs more people to help them improve access to care, support, and education and accountability to help patients be more successful and achieve positive health outcomes. I consider myself pretty lucky to be able to work with five nurse care managers, two that are dedicated to Medicare patients, three dedicated to Medicaid patients. I have three behavioral health consultants, one community health worker, a social worker, and 40 providers in my family medicine residency clinic. There are also system departments that help with signing up patients for Medicaid, applying for patient assistance programs, assistance with transitions of care, and frequent flyers to the emergency department. I hope in the future to be able to work with a pharmacy technician to assist with
0: non-clinical tasks to help me reach more patients. All right, we'll move on to question number two, which is what tips do you have for a pharmacist starting to work in this area of care?
1: Yeah, I have several here. Um, so I de- recommend to develop a familiarity with the medication access resources for patient population. Um, so this is going to vary depending on what your population actually looks like. Um, so you have co cards to help uh, patients that have commercial insurance, but I think it's important to remember that even these patients have access issues with affording their medication. It's nice to have vouchers available um, to get patients started on certain medications. So it's really good to get to know your local drug reps and the area that might be able to help you with those vouchers. There are patient assistance programs to help both patients with no insurance and Medicare patients. There could be local foundations to help with um, especially hard times for certain patients. I think it's important to know how to review formularies to find more preferred or cheaper options, how to do prior authorizations, and how to find national foundations to help with high copays. It's important to develop a comfort with practicing in the gray area of care, somewhere between that evidence-based medicine and affordability. Sometimes you can't do what guidelines encourage you to do because the options are not affordable. An example would be using an ACE inhibitor over the brand name Entresto despite heart failure guidelines. Sometimes the resources we're aware of allow us to get access to those medications. This can happen with any disease state that primarily uses brand name medications over generic options like diabetes or COPD. I think it's important to learn how to advocate as the liaison, um, and that can sometimes be at the patient liaison or the provider um, liaison. Sometimes medication access is not the top priority. Helping patients with basic access to necessities is going to help build their trust in you, that you care for them as a whole person. Sometimes delaying adding certain medication is in the patient's best interest, even though they're not well controlled. Sometimes going for the cheaper option is going to help the patient be able to sustain care longer. We can lose sight of that from time to time. I try to offer options uh, with my recommendations with discussing the pros and cons. Letting the patient have buy-in also builds that trust. It can take a little time in building the confidence to advocate uh, on both the patient's and the provider's behalf. So don't be too concerned if you don't have that right away. The last tip I have is to develop trust with your other team members' roles and how you can work together. Get to know who the players are on your team and how they help. It may be beneficial to shadow them to develop a better comprehension of their roles. Build up that communication and trust with the team. Incorporate them when you identify patient needs. They'll start to do the same for you. This will start to allow for each person to work towards the top of their skill set. At my clinic, we do care conferences, and this has really helped to improve the collaboration that we have. While there are challenges, this patient population is generally very thankful for the care you can provide,
0: which makes this hard work very rewarding. All right, well, I think that wraps up our questions. Thank you, Kathy, for joining me today for today's episode of Therapeutics Thursdays. If you haven't before, I encourage you all to check out ASHP's ambulatory care resources. You can find member exclusive offerings such as the ambulatory care career tool, certification resources, rotation guides, guidelines, policies, and info on billing and reimbursement. Be sure to also become a member of the section of Ambulatory Care Practitioners Connect community where you can exchange ideas and ask questions from your peers. Thanks again for tuning in for this session and join us here every Thursday where we will be talking with content matter experts on a variety of clinical topics. Be sure to subscribe to ASHP Podcast through your favorite podcast provider. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare